pray. Father, this morning, pray that the word of God will be filled with your presence, a sense of your greatness, your wonder, your amazing love. Father, come and speak your word to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, my question is this, that there are many of us here today that have been followers of Jesus, Christians, for many years. Many years. I have myself many, many, many years. Some of us here have only come to faith, become a follower of Jesus in the last few years. I decided that I would do three things this week. I would ask a neighbor what they thought about Jesus. I would ask a Christian what they thought about Jesus. And I would ask artificial intelligence what it thought about Jesus. So I'm going to give you the answer to artificial intelligence to begin with. Now, if you've never been on artificial intelligence, don't go. You have it here. Artificial intelligence says Christians believe he's the son of God, savior, the savior of humanity. He's a teacher of love, teacher of compassion, forgiveness. He performed miracles and healings, fed the 5,000, had a profound impact upon the world, inspiring countless of people. That's what artificial intelligence has to say about Jesus. So I thought, well, we'll ask a neighbor. So we asked the neighbor, what do you think about Jesus? Answer, don't know. Invisible, weak. Thinking about it a little bit longer because I only gave them 60 seconds. Person that's cultish, condemning, and interfering. So I thought I'll ask a Christian what they thought about Jesus. 60 seconds to answer. They said, oh, I need longer. I said, no, it's got to be 60 seconds. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, don't confuse me. I need longer to think about it. No, do it now. Powerful. Peacekeeper. That's not biblical. Kind. Prayerful. Mature. Just. Persistent. So, that's what artificial intelligence thinks about Jesus. That's what my neighbor thinks about Jesus. And this third one is a Christian. What they think about Jesus within 60 seconds. That they've summarized Jesus. So I thought, I wonder what people would say about me. <laughs> In 60 seconds, what would you say about me here this morning? Working class, rough around the edges, very forgetful, very old, goes on and on, hates gardening, tries to be nice, but we can see through it, deaf in both ears, a fashion disaster, that's how I think <laughs> you might 
might describe me <laughs> this morning. There is nothing worse than shaking hands with someone and in return you get something that feels like a wet fish. Have you experienced that? You want to shake your hand and nothing comes back. It's just wobbly bit of flesh. Similarly, it takes me back to the days when I thought I might begin to ask a particular girl to go out with me. It's not really that kind of girl. And, um, and so I did. And in this little walk in the country, I was trying to pick up enough courage to hold her hand for the very first time. Because I'd not held a girl's hand before. So after about 80 minutes of walking, because I kept the walk going on and on to put up courage, I took hold of her hand as we were walking. And what I got in return was a wet fish. She didn't want to hold my hand. There's no worse feeling than when you stretch out to hold somebody's hand and there's no return. I am amazed because it told me that I've got no future here. Nothing's going to happen. This girl's not going to be my girlfriend. This is, she is telling me by her body language and the wet fish hand, there is no relationship here. Sometimes you find out things about your wife or your friend or even your brother or your children after years and years of knowing them. And you come up with kind of statements like, I never thought it possible of you. I never thought you'd do that. I didn't think you were capable of that. Amazing or wonderful or I'm so ashamed of you. How can you do that? And after years and years of knowing someone and actually living with them, you discover, discover something new about them. Very often, it's what you don't like. I never knew you were like that. The context of the Bible passage I'm going to read to you in a few minutes is this. It's the Last Supper. And around the table, there are 12 people sat around the table together with a young leader 33 years of age there they are it's the last supper and this leader 33 years of age has got a name his name's Jesus and he calls the passage I'm going to read to you them as my little children 33 years of age grown men Around the table, he calls them my little children. And these little children were soon going to be orphans. Because these are the last hours of the life of this 33-year-old leader, Jesus. He told them everything that was going to happen in these next few hours. He told them that he was going to be arrested he was going to be flogged. He would be betrayed. He would die. He would leave them. But I am coming back. And what he saw in their eyes was this. 
that they were so troubled. And he actually said to them, don't let your hearts be troubled, which means actually, in the original, stop being troubled. Stop being troubled right now. I need to make something clear to you. Because the events were now going to be overtaking them. They were perplexed. They were around that table ashamed because it already told them that someone around the table would betray him. Perplexed, ashamed, wavering now in their faith because he was telling them stuff they did not want to hear. Their faith was being challenged in this talk. And they were slow to understand the process of what Jesus was actually trying to communicate to them. And looking around from one side to the other, Jesus depicting the agony of his spirit and what was going to happen to him, he got no support. No one came to his side. He washed their feet because he loved them. He washed their feet because he wanted to serve them. He wanted to wash their feet because he wanted to be godlike in servanthood. He washed their feet and they didn't understand, still perplexed. He asked them a little while longer if they even pray for him before he went to be crucified in the Garden of Gethsemane. And these followers. These 12, these disciples couldn't manage to stay awake. They fell asleep. Totally, totally abandoned. And so he comforted them. And his comfort was this. He put his warm presence around them. But it was like a wet fish coming back. They couldn't respond. They didn't know how to respond. Now I'm going to read to the passage. My children, he said, I'll be with you only a little longer. You look for me, just as I told the Jews, so I'm going to tell you now. Because where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment. Now I'm going to give you love one another just as I've loved you. You must love one another because by this act, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Simon Peter had something to say and asked him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, where I'm going, Simon, you can't follow me, but you will follow me later. Peter asked, Lord, if, you, if I can't follow you now, why can't I follow you now? Because I will lay down my life for you. And Jesus answered, will you really, Peter, lay down your life for me? Truly, I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And looking to the disciples, he said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe in me. In my father's house, there are many, many mansions. If it weren't not so, I would have told you. 
and I'm going there to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come back and I'll take you to be with me, that you may also be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going? Thomas said, Lord, <laughs> we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, look, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And if you really knew me, you would know my Father. But from now on, you do know him because you have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father. Look, and that will be just enough for us. And Jesus said this, and this is an amazing passage. This so arrested me when I read this a long time ago. Don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been amongst you for such a long time? You still not know me. Anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father? That the Father is in me? I don't speak on my own authority. I speak on the Father who's living in me. The reaction to Jesus' speech was amazing. Peter stands up after all that discourse. He says, why can't I come with you if you're leaving us? Why can't I come? Didn't get it. Thomas pipes up. Jesus, why can't you show us where you're going? Philip spoke up. Lord, give us, give us a sign. Do something miraculous. Do something that will take our breath away. And what he was asking for is for Jesus to prove to him that he was the son of God by doing something amazing in front of him. Philip, I've been with you all these years and you still don't know me. There's a culture of the day. The culture of the people call it Epicureans. And they believed in this particular day and age that life was all about pleasure. Does that ring a bell? The aim and goal of life is to have pleasure and seek happiness. And if there is a God or any gods, don't be talking to them because they can't hear you. They're distant from the world. But forget all that religion. Seek pleasure and happiness. The Greek world had another philosophy. They said, if there truly is a God, he's invisible. We can't see him and we're separated from him. The Jews, many of the Jews believe that no one has ever seen God or will ever see God. The nearest we ever got to seeing God was Moses. And Moses didn't see him. He had to turn his face away, turn his back. No one has ever seen God. 
And this was the culture of the day. Putting it together, the culture was God is different to the rest of us and God is at a huge difference from any of us. He is different and he's got distance from us all. We cannot know God. Philip is saying, give us evidence then in that culture that you are God. Show us that you're God. And he failed to see it with his eyes. And he stood before Jesus looking into the eyes of God and saying, show us God. Face to face, listen to his words, listen to his discourse. Face to face, stood in his very presence of the living God. And this is the thing. He was one of the first disciples and they have served Jesus faithfully for three years. They've walked with him. They've talked with him. They slept alongside him. They have seen the miracles. They've seen the feeding of the 5,000. They've seen tremendous, amazing things. They've listened to his teaching and the crowds of people gathering around saying, oh, who is this? Who is this great teacher? Who is this great? They've seen all that. Philip still says, show me a manifestation. And you know that is to the spot with us. Seeking manifestations really behind it is prove that you're right. Can't believe unless we see you do something. And I don't think anybody else is going to believe if they can't see you do something. Oh, they knew him all right. All the years. Three years. They knew him physically, but they didn't know him spiritually. They'd experienced his love and compassion, his grace, his humility, his gentleness, his prayer life, the miracles, his teaching. But they failed to see that this was the great I am. And this is just hours before he's going to be crucified. Those things are well known. I'm doing a teaching thing on Tuesday nights. And John Stoney has gone through the our statement of faith, what we actually believe. And he talked about the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Co-equal, co-existent, Jesus in God, God in Jesus. I ask a question to the church, not just to us this morning, but to myself and to songwriters and musicians and teachers and people who witness here and across Wales and wherever. Why are we really embarrassed about the name Jesus? Why are we deleting the name Jesus in our songs and putting God there instead? God is easy to communicate. Jesus, we don't want to think that he's Sunday school or 
pick me, Jesus. And even when we speak of God, we hesitate the name Jesus. Do my neighbor hesitate on the name Jesus? We understand God easier. But when I am talking Jesus this morning, and when you read Jesus, and when you feel Jesus, and when your spirit is quickened by the presence of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the one who intercedes for you, Jesus, the one who died on the cross for you, Jesus, do you know he's the infinite, self-existing, without origin, God Almighty? This man in front of Philip. He's immutable, the Bible says, which means he never, ever, ever changes. He is omnipotent within. He has all absolute power over the whole world, universe, cosmos. He is all powerful. There is no power or opinion or act of violence in this world. Anything happened where he is not sovereign and within a moment can bring it to an end. He is all power, not marginal powerful, all powerful by his own substance, not by a vote, not by his followers. He is all powerful. He is Omnipresent. Omnipresent. He is everywhere. Jesus is here. Jesus is also with my family up in the north of England. Jesus with my children over in South Africa. Jesus is down in Cornwall and in my other family. Jesus is everywhere. He is omnipresent. Omnipresent. He is omniscient. He's all-knowing, knows everything. Don't think that Jesus doesn't know it all. He knows it all, knows what's going on here, knows what I'm thinking, knows where I'm going, knows it all, knows every philosophy, knows what the world's up to, knows what life is like out there. He knows it all. It says in the Bible that he's all-sufficient. All-sufficient, he can meet every need, every day, all of the time. He's all wise, unchanging in his wisdom, never wavers. Somebody said to me this morning, they woke up grumpy. When I tell you, Jesus didn't get up grumpy this morning. Never changes. He is all faithful. God is all faithful. When he's made a promise to me, he sees it through. I'm the one that fails him. He never fails me. He's all good. He is goodness throughout. There isn't a word that can describe the goodness of God. It is so good that our word good isn't adequate. It's absolute, total, rich in goodness. He cannot do an evil thing. He is good, good, good. And he plans for his children all things together for good. Regardless of what you're going through, it will all turn out good for you and me. He is all love. And that's the big word. I don't understand that word love. Who invented that word? God. I can't get my head around that word love. 
People say, I love you. They don't even know me. I can say easily, I love you. Don't know you. I can say, I love my children. Will I die for my children? Say, I love my wife. Will I die for my wife? What is love? God is love. God is love. You will never be loved as much in life as you are loved right now by Jesus. He is so holy. So holy. He's the definition of purity. Jesus is all this, all this, because he is the manifold radiance of God the Father. So all those attributes, like a manifold on an engine, many, 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 all of God shines through him. He's not part of God. He is God. And when we come together to worship, we are worshiping Jesus. All powerful and beyond imagination. Love beyond understanding. It's Jesus. Holy. You could hardly speak his name. He's so holy. say, well, Jesus don't know what I'm going through. Do you know that Jesus, all this list of things is in Jesus. All these things Jesus does, did, and he did a hard day's work. Jesus came to this earth in flesh. He was the domestic side of God. He got a job worked as a carpenter and worked hard. He knew what it is to do a full day's work, this domestic God. He knows what it is to get tired at the end of the day, this domestic God. He knew how to run a home. He knew how to pay his bills. He knew how to suffer pain. He knew exactly what it's like for us. Every day of our life and every trauma that we go through, he has been through. He knows it. He knows it. He understands it. This is God with us. But nevertheless, God with us. And this is the one that you pray to. This is the one that we worship. This is the one that's transformed our life. This is the one we bow down to. It is Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. This is what we've been talking about these past few weeks with the armor of God. The armor of God is just not many pieces. You can summarize it in this. God, Jesus, my armor is Jesus, complete and absolute. Not in many parts, one whole part. Hide yourself in Jesus. Find yourself in Jesus. Have I been with you so long? 
Lord, have I been with you these many years and we have walked together and yet you still don't know me and yet you still doubt me. Oh, Lord. Oh, how can you do that? You've sung all the songs. You've read the Bible. You've been around when miracles have happened. You've seen other people bowing before me. How could you, above all other people, doubt me? Do you know something? We're not just a bunch of people here gathering on a Sunday morning. Because Jesus' great, great special prize is the church of Jesus Christ. They looked into the eyes of Jesus and couldn't quite grasp that he was God. We look into the eyes of the church. We better see Jesus. We had better see Jesus when we look into the eyes of the church, regardless of its faults, regardless of our weaknesses, regardless of our failures, regardless of our fears and our perplexed thinking. the eyes of the true church of Jesus we'll see Jesus and we'll see God we are here in the presence of God almighty and every time we meet and the big deal is this he says I want that to have a crowd to attract my presence come when there's just two or three of you but you gotta be my name I know you're there omnipotent God amongst you stand together shall we Lord God we stand knowing that we're standing, looking into your eyes and into your very presence. And I say, forgive me this morning for taking that so lightly and so casually. Powerful, almighty God, Savior of the creator of my destiny, the keeper of my life, God, my guide, Jesus, lover of my soul, thank you for putting your life inside of me so that it could shine out every moment of every day. Jesus, you are the one and only.